0: Greetings friends and colleagues, welcome to the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast, the professional educator's thought partner, a service of on-course education solutions. I am Scott Lee. Today I share a conversation with Sarah Giddings and Wendy salcedo Fierro, two teacher-powered schools ambassadors, as we talk about their experiences working in teacher-powered schools. Teacher-powered schools are a network of over 300 schools that use collaborative leadership to design and implement school programming. We'll discuss more about how this works during our conversation. Sarah is the Curriculum Coordinator, Advisor, and Instructor at Washtenaw Alliance for Virtual Education. Her role also includes being a professional learning coordinator and social-emotional learning coordinator for the Washtenaw, Michigan Independent School District. Wendy is a former social studies and dual language teacher. As a lead teacher at a teacher-powered school in Los Angeles, Wendy helped articulate her school's K-12 bilingual program and develop innovative projects, assessments, and initiatives. She is passionate about creating democratic schools and supporting teachers and students to be agents of change. We begin our conversation discussing how each of our guests became involved in teacher-powered schools. Welcome, Sarah and Wendy, to the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast.
1: Thanks for having us. So happy to be here.
0: First off, let's start with learning a little bit about each of your current roles and maybe uh, share a little bit about how you each came to become involved in teacher power schools.
2: So I am Sarah Giddings. I am a teacher leader and curriculum coordinator for uh, the WAVE program, which is a part of the Washtenaw Educational Options Consortium. It's a uh, collaboratively designed by all of our, our districts county-wide in Washtenaw County, Michigan, by all nine of our local districts. It is an alternative, non-traditional schooling option for students to earn their high school diploma. I have been here for 12 years, and I got started with the teacher-powered schools movement actually because I saw a chat on Twitter that was talking about teacher-powered principles, and I kept chiming in saying, oh, my school does that, oh, my school's like that. And we thought we're the only school that did these things um, and thought this way about education. And it turned out there was the teacher-powered schools organization and movement and we realized how much we fit in and my staff and team wholeheartedly embraced teacher-powered. and. We've been with them now for about five or six years. Hi, I am Wendy Salcedo Fierro. I can, is it a good time to share?
0: Yes,
1: please. Um, I have been a teacher for 10 years, and um, that has been my primary role for the past 10 years. I'm currently, I've shifted to um, doing work as a specialist with teacher powered schools. And um, my journey sort of started really when I began student teaching as, a, as somebody who began teaching at a pilot school in Los Angeles, which was. A teacher-powered school, uh, that's really how I learned to be a teacher. So I go way back, and this has been really the only model that I've known as a teacher. Um, And so it's been really great to connect with other schools who have seen the power of teacher power.
0: I think that uh, teacher-powered is a good name because it shares a meaning uh, for what the movement is and, and what the organization is. Uh, But I was wondering if each of you could share how you define or how you describe uh, what teacher-powered schools are.
2: So, and teacher-powered, I define teacher as being anybody who's invested in the school. Any, you know, whether that is your support staff, your counselor, your community those people who collectively want the school to succeed and want to participate in its in the processes of that school. So I think that's the step I take before even defining teacher powered is who we mean by teacher, anybody that wants that school to succeed. And so teacher powered is about the process of centering students and collaborative design. So there isn't this one person vision or this guru. It is a collaborative design and always having students at the center and making those decisions that grow and change as your community and your student centers and the people who are in that system change. So it's it's an ever-changing and innovative model that keeps both of those two things in mind, collaborative design and student-centered. Anything you'd add there, Wendy, to that definition?
1: No, I love that. That's such a good definition. Um, I definitely do see teacher power as a way to share power with students and families and the community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so teachers in this case are really valued as experts to drive instruction, to drive innovative learning, and to really meet students where they're at. So um, the more collaboration that occurs at a school, I think the better for students.
0: This is a very different model from what most people would think of when they think of schooling and the way schools are, are structured today. There must be some misconceptions that people have about teacher-powered schools. What are some misconceptions that you all have come across, and uh, how do you reply to those?
2: Well, a couple, a couple that come right to my mind, first of all, are that we have no boss. There's no um, <laughs> authority that running the school, which we we have a principal. <laughs> all of the teacher-powered schools that are in my consortium all have principals. We have an executive director. We have superintendents to oversee. Like, we have elements of traditional structures. Um, so, But there are ones in the teacher-powered network that don't have those. I'm just saying we do. And so um, that's not necessarily you have to not have those in order to be teacher-powered. Another one is that teacher-powered are just certified people and they're the only one, you know, like there is this club that's um, only allowing teachers to do decisions and nobody else. And so that's why I like to start by explaining how we define teachers. And, you know, really, that's just like the engine or the, the phrase we use to be like, there's a different, um, method of leadership here than what you normally see at schools. But those are two big ones. I feel like I'm constantly explaining, (laughs) um, for, for people, because I think they, they think of this like rudderless ship and teacher power is actually the opposite of that. Instead of just having your lonely captain at the, at the wheel, you have the crew actually, um, giving the captain the directions and helping um, pitch those ideas and setting courts together. My Mm -hmm. ship metaphor for the day.
0: Do you have anything to add, Wendy? Yeah. Those
1: are, those are questions we get all the time. Um, I think one of the big ones that has come up recently um, often is like, it doesn't teacher power imply that there's more work for teachers, right? That this is an additional role that Mm -hmm. they have to take on. Mm Whereas in reality, I don't see this as it's an additional thing that teachers do, right? It's really the vehicle in which they do their work. So it kind of shifts sort of what like the like what teaching could look like, right? what 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 do we define as a teacher work day? How do we incorporate and embed collaboration more as part of teacher work than um, what is traditional like isolation in like the model of traditional teaching, right? So, I feel like I don't see it as a, as a way of like, oh, here's just another thing to do or something to check off, but it's really a different process and a systems change type of uh, work that um, to really enhance the overall working conditions of teachers and staff.
2: And I would add to that, that my boss, my principal always says like, cause that's another misconception is that, you know, the principal a lot of times is it's a lonely position. And she shouts from the rooftops about how much she loves being a part of a teacher powered workplace because she doesn't want to be that lonely at the top. She really loves that there is an empowered group of educators helping with those decisions. It isn't all on her shoulders. And I think we have just as big of an administrator turnover issue a lot of times as teacher turnover. And my director has been at our school as long as I have because. For, for us um, for the administrators in our system it's been a lot more beneficial of the workplace they aren't burning out
0: oh yeah I hadn't really thought about how this how this could affect burnout and morale I'm I'm guessing mm-hmm. that most people uh, educators um, in the broadest sense and I'm thinking even uh, you know the support staff I'm thinking, cafeteria, maintenance, all of those Mm -hmm. people probably stay longer. Has that been y'all's experience?
2: Yeah, we in the alternative um, education world, turnover is uh, is usually consistently high. And we actually have one of the lowest turnover rates in the county for any type of school. Most of the people that started the school 13 years ago are still here. and. And I think that, but I will say that's also because we've changed some of the systems and structures because teachers felt empowered to say, this isn't working for me, but if we made this change, let's try it out and see if this works for me. And that's, I think at the end of the day, when you have a problem in your system or in your workplace, the ability to make that change collectively um, means there's a lot of buy-in and then people are like, oh, I like that change. I want to stay because if it doesn't change, that's when you leave. So I think that being responsive to that and reflective has, has meant we have, we have happy workforce.
0: Right. That makes sense. But-
2: I think that's
1: also true for the school where um, I taught at, at UCLA community school, we've had, you know, high retention rates over the past decade. Um, and we've been a teacher of school. You know, we've had a lot of survey data that, you know, ask teachers about what it's like to work there. And so generally, teachers are more satisfied in type of setting where they're where they are being respected for their Mm -hmm. um, for what they bring to the to the teaching uh, Mm -hmm. profession, what they bring to the school community. And they know that they can, like they're saying, they could be they can act on problem solving. Right. When things are coming up, they have the ability to enact change within their school community.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about. Since you both mentioned the administrator and the role of the administrator, how does the role of an administrator or the mindset of an administrator need to be different than what we normally would expect in schools?
2: Definitely, I think an administrator to be successful in a teacher of power schools has to be willing and want to share power. If you are looking to be the guru, <laughs> Um, and the one that filters all of the initiatives and decisions must come through you, or somebody that really likes micromanaging in a traditional structure, that is a style that works <laughs> for those. I think it I think it does lead to burnout, though, when you are responsible for all the decisions coming through the school. Um, and when uh, so when you're looking for an administrative teacher powered school, we're we're really looking for people who, Who want input who desire staff input who want to listen to students and make changes based on what students say and be willing and be willing to try some things um, based on if there is turnover new people come into the teacher-powered school or new students come in and their needs are different and your school environment instead of being static needs to be reflexive to change that and that's really you need an administrator that's willing to take some of that risk and, and learn and grow with the crop or the community as it changes. Because a lot of our traditional schools are a little bit like the Titanic and the ship takes a long time to turn or it hits an iceberg. (laughs) And I, here's my ship metaphor. I think I'm going to continue with this throughout um, the conversation, but I think that it's because there's there's entrenched um, deeply the kind of leader and structures and those are and there's supposed to be some familiarity in that that no matter what the community is this will always be here and I think teacher power is really like well because we're all the time in community and conversation with our community um, it isn't always going to be the same because the needs And the ideas and the opinions change based on who's in these walls.
1: It's definitely a mindset shift for administrators. And I think many teacher-powered schools that are successful have really amazing administrators. Um, But I think like Sarah's saying, is there's really not like that emphasis on that one leader to sort of transform the school, right? I think this is like... Moving away from like the superhero model where people are like, mm-hmm. oh, this one person is going to transform the schools. That's also very like unsustainable. There's a lot of turnover in that. It mm-hmm. invites the revolving door of administrators. And I think that's not a good model and that's not helpful for students and to bring stability right in, in schools where there might already be a lot of turnover. Administrator ideally is somebody who um, really sees themselves as part of a team. And so they're not the ones making the decisions for the teams. They're the ones, they're making decisions with teams and they really embrace collaboration. And so administrators who already kind of have that mindset and see that, you know, teachers also are part of the solution. um, They, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're very successful administrators.
0: It must be that no two uh, teacher powered schools could operate exactly the same way. Why is that? And can you talk a a little bit about the process that, that goes on as your move, as a school is moving, or as a, a faculty or school community is moving toward becoming more of a teacher-powered organization or a teacher-powered model.
2: So first of all, it needs to be a collaborative decision. Just like what what teacher-powered is built on, it is about shared leadership. So it starts with the community saying. We really want a collaborative leadership model. This is what we're looking for, and we have 15 um, autonomies that schools in our network and schools that want to be teacher-powered. There's a range of ways in which they've decided to be collaborative, um, to exercise collaborative leadership. Some schools, you know, their, their state says they can't have collaborative leadership. For example, our the state I'm in tenure is not something that this, um, that there's local control. It's actually a state grant um, system with tenure. Um, and so we don't have collaborative leadership over that, but professional learning, that's a big area that I think and a really great beginning step for a lot of schools is it should start with teachers and students giving input on what they think their community needs more learning um, learning around. And those needs vary based on your local context. And and that's, I think part of the beauty of the teacher powered model is this model is reflexive. um, And there's things that we've found practices and principles that we can dive deeper into, but how I approach healthy conflict in my school is going to vary based on how Wendy's school approaches healthy conflict. I think that that is okay. I think too often schools are given this one size fits all model and then getting really disappointed when it doesn't produce the results that they hoped for. And that's because that model never takes into account community voice and what people really desire and doesn't look at, it looks at results more than the practices to get the results.
1: Definitely agree with that. I think the context of Like where the schools are, the state, the local context, the LEAs, all of that influence how teacher powered, you know, can, can look like. And, um, but I do think like teacher powered is in a variety of school models from like charter schools, non-charter or public schools, district schools, unionized, non-unionized, community schools are a big part of teacher powered. So it really, I think like doing what Sarah's saying, it really depends on the needs of students staff, and community.
0: So you both mentioned teacher-powered practices. What are some of those?
2: And that, um, I think, is something that my organization, even having been a teacher-powered school for a while, practices, you practice to get better. So they yes. aren't the be. you know, like that that's, I think, a really great phrasing that teacher-powered has done isn't to say like, you can check this off the list and then you're done. Like it's something, the healthy conflict I gave, for example, we learned about it in um, with Teacher Powered, but it's something that we are going to have to keep working on as any time somebody comes through our organization, we're gonna have to work on um, what it means to have conflict with someone. Um, but we do have specific Teacher Powered practices
1: I think one of the ones that I really connect with, especially in my role, is like the building on the shared leadership or rotating leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Mm -hmm. building the capacity in teachers to like step in into leadership roles or different areas of decision making in the school. Doesn't necessarily mean teachers have to make all of the decisions all the time, every day, you know, but they are part of like building their skills and and working to meet the needs of like what is good for students and for schools. I just want to say that's my favorite one <laughs>
2: as of right now because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you talked about a couple of them already, like building a collaborative culture, but transparency and decision making is something that I think a lot of teachers right now, the climate at, for parents and communities as well is show us how we you got to this decision. I think there's always some fear in that, particularly in school systems right now and, and there's, there's some right reasons for why and there's some wrong reasons why, but embracing transparency and decision making is a practice that we're always trying to get better at. And I think that it's a practice that in teacher powered schools, if you want collaborative leadership, if you are centering students, you need to show why decisions were made and talk through that, even, even if you think it's obvious. Um, so we, we do do a lot of talking about um, decisions at my school and and having all of our notes in any meeting that we're in be shared with all of us so there's no private meetings that are happening and when we when we talk um, the information we're allowed to share about students we do that in a way that isn't like well I don't know about that student because only the counselor has that kind of information because they're the only ones that work with all of the kids we really um pride ourselves on having that transparency and that knowledge um, because that's that's what collaboration and trust are built on. Um, and I think trust is threaded through all of these practices. But that's, yeah, that's one of, that's on top of mind for me because it's also, we aren't perfect at it at my school. And I think it's one that we're consistently practicing though and they want more schools to join us in that
1: the practices too, to keep a growth mindset that we're constantly, yeah. I I know when I speak right. to colleagues, we're always like, um, oh, we're not doing that one enough, you know, or like we can really improve mm-hmm. on this practice. So I think keeping that sort of mindset mm-hmm. of like, we're, we're growing, um, mm-hmm. and keeping students at the very center of decisions is super important in teacher powered schools.
0: It's interesting because I'm thinking about so many times, uh, so many people that, that I meet and, um. Uh, uh, and discussions uh, that I have people uh, in other episodes of this podcast, oftentimes there's there's something where somebody says, "Well, you know, it, it's a practice and or it's a target that we're shooting for," and I don't always hit it every day. I think that that that, that understanding is sometimes something that we miss that we think, "Oh, a perfection is is possible." So, you know, I'm glad you I'm glad you both mentioned. That side of it, uh, of it as well, that it's um, it's not going to be perfect, and sometimes even it can get a little messy.
2: I was just going to add, we give a lot of grace sometimes to students to fail forward, and and I think sometimes in this process you have to develop that trust and transparency, and and the reminder that these are practices, and we are not always going to do them well, but but we're constantly going back and revisiting them and we're holding onto these as our guiding principles. And I think sometimes we don't give enough grace to ourselves to do that, like as educators, but we, and we do it for students and we just have to remember for ourselves that it's important too.
0: So let's talk more about the student experience. I would think that the student experience must be a little bit different or more unique or, or something that is unique compared to what students might experience in more rigid types of organizational structures. Can you talk a little bit about what what you see as the student experience and maybe how it is different and, and hopefully improved within a uh, teacher-powered school?
2: So... <laughs> My school probably is its own podcast because we do um, a lot of things very uh, differently from a lot of schools. Just the alternative world kind of um, gives that to you. So we are probably non-traditional with a capital N, (laughs) Um, but I will say, even though we do a lot of things differently, I would say talking about some of the ways we're different just in regards to the teacher power principles Um, because again there's there's a lot of different things we do i could go all day for in terms of how we've done it collaborative leadership is we do a student intake survey right when students come in um, that gives us a lot of detailed information about what that um, because everybody that comes into our school has to have at least tried traditional High school for a semester. So, our intake um, process a lot of times is really around, you know, when was the last time you felt happy at school? Um, and for our high schoolers, most of the time it's in the early elementary years. And when did you feel valued? How did that experience um, feel? And we get a lot of data um, about the student that has nothing to do with what their GPA and transcripts look like. And we use that to, to identify what those students' needs are, and we have a personalized learning plan that students follow. Um, but for example, we did things extremely and radical different, and then we started doing student focus groups, and students said, you know, at this this school doesn't have any live classes, and that's something that we miss from our traditional school structures. So if we were at potentially a non-teacher-powered school. It might have filtered up to the principal eventually who maybe would have like said, here's how we're going to do things That trickled back down to staff. And instead we got that data and decided as a group, well, we'll start offering um, live classes. And so, but then here's the other part of teacher power. We decided one of the things that teachers hated about live classes was doing them independently. So all of our classes are co-taught. And we built a schedule that allows for every student or every teacher to have a co-teacher and not necessarily a special ed co-teacher, a co-teacher of a different subject area. And then we give credit for two classes at the same time because um, it's a co-taught integrated class. So that's just one example that involves how we did that teacher powered practice. Yeah, and I
1: think for my experience in. I think if you were to visit uh, my school, you would see students who are engaged, who are collaborating, who are learning real world content and using multiple languages. They're bringing in their home languages, their family values and cultures. And all of that is embraced in the school culture. And in California, it was really like not okay to speak different languages at school for a long time. And so I think just kind of thinking about like how, you know, really honoring students and who they are is really a key in like the way that learning happens. When teachers designed the school, they also wanted to create experiences for students beyond like traditional classrooms. And so things like internship programs where high school seniors can go off campus and engage in community internships um, is one aspect of it. There's also seminar programs where, you know, teachers or students are able to do cool non-academic things as well, such as like social emotional learning and and strong mentorship programs. They also have things like bike shops and they get to fix bikes during that class. So I, I think it really helps tailor learning programs to meet all different kinds of students, not just like that one exceptional student, but really how do we make sure that we respect all students regardless of what they're bringing into the, cl- into the school, right? That we really support them for who they are. And so I think students feel valued um, and they feel seen in at least in the teacher-powered schools that I've that I've um, witnessed. Yeah,
0: I was wondering if you could just share an interesting story about a student.
2: So I I love my job. I love my students. And, and when I got into the alternative sector, I had in the back of my mind that you know all of these students were are kids who are assigned here and their discipline problems and they just are all the same. And every student is unique. I knew that from my practice, but um, the systemic issues that my students have been able to overcome and also what they have voiced to us to change some of the systemic challenges that they have um, has really been one of my favorite things and one of the things that we discovered at our school is we have some flexibility around our schedule. So last night um, I was working at, in the evening at eight to 10 PM in one of our online drop-in support hours. We started during COVID and we kept them because we have some students who work full-time and go to school for us. And one of my students is homeless, her mom, is um, a drug addict in another state, and dad passed away, and she has been bouncing and couch surfing, and she has been trying to work full time and work in the evenings on school. I'm her advisor, and it, she is 20, and that's the deadline for graduating here in Michigan with a diploma. And so we've been working nightly on schoolwork, and last night at 930, she finished her last assignment for high school, and I was able to have a couple teachers join on Zoom and just give her the applause that we wanted to give her, and she wrote a graduation speech that she shared with us and promised us she will be coming to graduation to deliver it, and it was being able to have that kind of flexible schedule to be able to meet a student where they were um, that I feel like that epitomizes why I love working at a teacher powered school. And there is nothing better than helping a student reach a goal that they've worked really hard at. So, and that was less than 24 hours (laughs) ago.
0: Thank you both for joining us today on the thoughtful teacher podcast.
2: Thank you for having us. And if anybody is interested in finding out more about Teacher Powered, we, we know you're out there, and we'd love to help you get to get to where you want to be with your staff. So thank you for having us. Thank you so much.
0: The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is brought to you as a service of course Education Solutions. If you would like to learn more about how we help schools and youth organizations embed social-emotional learning within their cultures, and implement strength-based restorative interventions, please visit our website, www.oncoursesolutions.net. This has been Episode 4 of the 2023 season. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues about it, either in person or using social media. We also greatly appreciate positive reviews on the podcast app you use. The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is hosted and produced by R. Scott Lee and is a copyright of OnCourse Education Solutions, LLC. We encourage diverse opinions. However, opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of producer, partners, or underwriters. Guests are never compensated for appearance, nor do guests pay to appear. Transcripts are available following the podcast publication at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com, where you can also sign up to receive notices when new episodes are released. Theme music is composed and recorded by Audio Coffee. Please follow me on social media. My handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at Dr. R. Scott Lee, and on Mastodon, at Dr. R. Scott Lee, at Universedon.com. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.